بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم We continue the class on the Hajj points of benefits and rulings and tonight's class is the entering to Mecca دخول مكة meaning when should the muhrim enters Mecca or enter Mecca and from where the best time to enter is during the day because the Prophet ﷺ entered Mecca during the Duha time as reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim and as to the place from where the person enters Mecca it is from its upper side مِنَ الثَّنِيَّةِ الْعُلِيَةِ this way he will be directing himself towards the he will be facing the Kaaba because the face of the Kaaba would be in the direction of the east and this is a place known as Kida nowadays it is called Ri'ul uh, Hujun and he leaves from a place which is called Kuday and today this is Ajiad area if possible in both cases if possible in both cases and then It is allowable, legally allowable for the pilgrim, for the hajj to make ghusl upon the entrance of Mecca because the Prophet ﷺ slept the night in a place known as the Tuwa and this is a well in Mecca. Nowadays is known as Az-Za'ir and he made ghusl then entered Mecca during the day. As to the direction of the person making Hajj and or Umrah, he should direct himself to the Haram. Because this is the origin of the Fard, of the Faridah, and the origin of the objective. So he enters the Masjid with his right foot and says the Dua of entrance to the Masajid. Bismillah, in the name of Allah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, O Allah. Make salah upon Muhammad. Allahumma ftahli abwaaba rahmatik. O Allah, open for me the gates of your mercy. So he enters from the direction which is known as the Bani Shayba, the gate of Bani Shayba. Across from the Kaaba. Across from the Kaaba. And nowadays, this is uh, close to being the gate of As-Salam. This is close to being the gate of of As-Salam, Babu-Salam. As to the way he, uh, the person addresses for Tawaf, is that he takes the form of dress known as Ittiba'. He wraps, this is for the male Hajj, male pilgrim, he wraps with a towel or ihram the upper part garment and he uh, of the of the body and uh, keeping the right and the right arm and the shoulder exposed keeping the right arm and the shoulder exposed until the end of the tawaf after which one should cover both shoulders and arms and the wisdom behind this is that the person uh, through this way enters uh, manifesting you know, strength and activity this is more 
uh, helps in being uh, assist in, in, in activity for the person uh, instead of having him wrapped altogether by his upper garment. So, ittiba' is for the tawaf. Ittiba' is for the tawaf. So, when the person is about to start the tawaf, he puts the upper garment in the ittiba' form. Then, he should go to the starting point for his tawaf, and this is to go and touch the black stone. Which is from the east, south side of the Kaaba. It is at the east side, east south side of the Kaaba. And it is narrated from the Prophet ﷺ that the black stone was sent down from paradise. Its whiteness is more intense than the whiteness of the milk however it was darkened black by the sins of Bani Adam of the children of Adam and this hadith is reported by Tirmidhi and Sheikh Al-Albani rahimahullah considered it as Sahih Imam Al-Tabari commented on this hadith and said having it in the black state after being white is an admonition and a lesson for people to think that if sins could affect the stone then it is much harder and more influential upon the heart and more intense in affecting the heart so the person when he comes to the black stone he faces it with his body and touches it with his hand because the Prophet ﷺ did that as to Kissing it, yes, because the Prophet ﷺ kissed the black stone. Why? Why is it to be kissed? Why it is to be kissed? Out of love because it is a stone? Or because it is a magnification of Allah and His commands? The answer is in the latter. And there should be no kind of blessing to be done by the black stone, like touching it and then wiping his body with it or wiping over the heads or bodies of the children as barakah, as a blessing, because this is from bid'ah, this is from innovations. And it is a form of shirk. And it is a form of shirk. 
And that's why Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhu kissed the black stone and when he kissed it he said إِنِّي لَأَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ حَجَرٌ لَا تَضُرُّ وَلَا تَنْفَعُ I indeed know that you are a stone having no benefit and cause no harm وَلَوْلَا أَنِّي رَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُقَبِّلُكَ مَا قَبَّلْتُكَ And were it not that I had seen the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام kissing you, I would not have kissed you. So therefore this tells that this is a matter of following and magnification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His command. Now, back to the way of dealing with the black stone. The order goes as follows. The best is to touch it and to kiss it. Second, touching without kissing if it's hard to reach and kiss. However, the person, if he touches the stone and he could not kiss it, then he may kiss his hand. This is affirmed from Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he said, I did not leave that since I saw the Prophet doing that. Now, if this is also not possible, the person may point with his finger if he could not touch or could touch without couldn't touch with uh, without the taqbeel, without the kissing in this case he may point because of the hadith of Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, where he said the Prophet والسلام, circulated the Kaaba on a camel and whenever he reached to the corner of the black stone he pointed at it with something he had then made takbir so he points and he says Bismillah Allahu Akbar he points and says Bismillah Allahu Akbar he repeats this phrase whenever he reaches the black stone or the black strip on the ground you see nowadays that there is a black strip which goes directly, you see it on the ground printed on the ground goes all the way in the direction of the black stone at its center so he repeats this phrase whenever he reaches the black stone or the black strip if he couldn't reach the black stone on the ground which shows where you begin your tawaf so you point, if you are unable, you point with your right hand, not with two hands as you see people doing, facing the stone. You don't do it just while you're walking. However, if it becomes difficult also uh, due to the crowds, then there is no harm to point while moving, while walking. (coughs) 
Then, after touching the stone, he moves, keeping the Kaaba to his left, and begins the circulation, and he reaches the Yamani corner, because it is from the side of Yemen, Ar-Rukn al-Yamani. Once he reaches there, he grabs it with the right hand, if possible, and there is no delil, no evidence for him to point at it if he could not reach it, nor to kiss it, as it is done by many ignorance. Now, after that, he proceeds again to the black stone. Between the Yamani corner and the black stone corner, he makes the following dua. Allahumma Rabbana, O our Rabb Allah, atina fi dunya hasana, grant us hasana, the reward of good action in this world, وفي الآخرة حسنة and a حسنة in the hereafter وقنا عذاب النار and protect us from the torment of fire and protect us from the torment of fire and he repeats seven circles making dua, making remembrances, reciting from the Qur'an. Why? Because this is a whole, a whole matter of dhikr, of remembrance. قال النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام إنما جعل الطواف بالبيت وفي الصفا والمروة ورمي الجمار لإقامة ذكر الله Indeed, the circulation of the house, and also that between As-Safa and Al-Marwa, and casting the jimar with pebbles, is to establish the remembrance of Allah. Is to establish the remembrance of Allah. Now, in the first three circuits, it is a sunnah to speed with firmness, activity, and strength. Without stretching one's feet, but to move, fast in the first three circles the reason is that the Prophet when he came to make the Umrah Umratul Qada in the seventh year after Hijrah the people of Quraysh said He's going to come and his companions in a weak state 
because of the fever that touched the Medina and it was an intense fever and the Prophet ﷺ invoked Allah the Most High to move it and transfer it to Al-Juhfa and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his Prophet's call and the Humma was moved to Al-Juhfa and they wanted to ridicule the Muslims and belittle them so they were waiting to see these weak ones those weak ones coming to make the Umrah so they told each other let's have a circle by the Kaaba and sit and watch them coming weakened by the Humma so they came and they took a circle by the Hijr meaning from the northern side of the Kaaba so the Prophet ﷺ here commanded his companions to do the Ramal the fast walk so this is taking quick pace only he ordered them only during the first three rounds of tawaf only during the uh, first three circuits or three rounds of tawaf and with power now if someone asks the question if this was meant to show the power of the Muslims to the mushriks and if the cause now is gone so what's the wisdom of keeping this going nowadays when there are no mushriks by the Kaaba sitting to watch what they used to watch or look for weaknesses from the Muslims and the answer is although the reason was to refute the mushriks and to show them the power and anger them actually however the muslim and there are, not, there are no mushriks now however the person remembers that the muslim is always required to do that to stand firm so one should therefore feel when he is doing this Ramal this quick pace as if there are mushriks around him because this is a matter that has its origin in Sharia as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning to anger them as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in Surah At-Tawbah 120 in Surah At-Tawbah 9 1 قال الله تعالى
it was not becoming of the people of al Madina. ذلك بأنهم لا تصيبهم لا يصيبهم ضمأ ولا نصب ولا مخمصة في سبيل الله ولا يطأون موطئا يغيظ الكفار ولا ينالون من عدو نيلا إلا كتب لهم به عمل صالح that is because they suffer neither thirst nor fatigue nor hunger in the cause of Allah nor they take any step to raise the anger of the disbelievers nor inflict any injury upon an enemy but is written to their credit as a deed of righteousness Surely Allah wastes not the reward of the muhsineen. Now, if the matter during this ramal face ramal through during this ramal, which is the quick pace revolves between doing it away from the Kaaba okay if the, if, if the person is able to make let's rephrase it if the person is able to make the quick pace away from the Kaaba and He has the opportunity to walk close to the Kaaba. Which one takes precedence? So if the matter revolves between a quick pace away from the Kaaba and regular walk close to the Kaaba, then the precedence is for doing it away from the Kaaba while in a quick pace why? because there is an important foundation here from Sharia there is an important foundation from Sharia this Qaida this foundation is as follows Mura'atul Fadila Al-Muta'alliqa Bidhati Al-Ibadah Awla من مراعاة من المراعاة المتعلقة بزمانها أو مكانها. Taking consideration of the merit related to the essence of the worship takes precedence over the consideration pertaining to the timing or place of the ibadah and this foundation has examples to it so that one can understand so taking consideration of the merits related to the essence of the ibadah of the worship takes precedence over the consideration pertaining to the timing or place of the ibadah Example, if the time of Salah commences on a person while he is, he needs to respond to the call of nature urgently or in the presence of food in front of him, 
which is which takes priority to relieve himself or eat the food in the front of him or even though this may lead to a delay of salah from its early time or the opposite the answer is to relieve himself why? in this case we gave consideration to the ibadah itself not to the beginning of its time because if he prays with his heart empty from worries and thinking about the food thinking about the nature he's holding then he will come to his salah with tranquility and his salah will be more perfect is this understood? is this understood? Another example A person intended to pray In the first row However around him there is a lot of uh, Noise And distraction Or next to him There would be a person Who smells bad So which is more of a priority to keep away from this noise and distraction and the bad smell even though this would mean leaving the first row or stays in the first row with the presence of these distractions there is no doubt that leaving the first row for the sake of avoiding these distractions takes precedence because this is related to the ibadah itself now not the place which is the first row is this also clear as another example on this important foundation and I urge you inshallah ta'ala whenever a foundation from the foundations of fiqh or principles of fiqh comes, write it down under a title foundations or principles write it down separately now at the end of the circuits remember this benefit as well now at the end of the circuits in the last seventh circuit around the Kaaba the seventh round he touches if possible as we mentioned earlier he touches the Ar-Rukhnil Yamani the Yamani uh, pillar or corner but does not touch now 
the black stone. When he reaches the black stone, his rounds are completed. And that's why he doesn't touch the black stone at, in the last round. Nor does he make takbir at this point, at the end of the last round. Because takbir is linked to the touching. And now there is no touching. And takbir begins with the beginning of the round. Not at the end. And now there is no more beginning because the seven is over. Should he say anything by a ruqn al-yamani? Should the person say anything when he touches a ruqn al-yamani? The answer is nothing. Nothing to be said. So he touches without saying anything. There is no takbir whatsoever. Nothing. Because this did not come from the Prophet ﷺ. There is no delil, there is no evidence for that. And here there is a qa'ida fiqhiyya usuliyya shar'iyya. There comes another principle now. There comes another principle now, another important principle. Anna kullama wujida sababuhu fi ahdi rasuli sallallahu alayhi wa sallam walam yafalhu Anything whose cause occurred and existed at the time of the Messenger وسلم, and he did not do, then the Sunnah is to abandon and not do it. Is this clear? This is another important foundation. This is another important foundation. Clear? Recorded, inshallah? أَنَّ كُلَّمَا وُجِدَ سَبَبُهُ فِي عَهْدِ الرَّسُولِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَلَمْ يَفْعَلْهُ فَالسُنَّةُ تَرْكُهُ Whatever existed from a cause during the time of the Prophet ﷺ and he did not do that which is linked to the cause then the sunnah is to leave, abandon. Here in this case the cause existed because al-Rukni al-Yamani the Yemeni corner At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, he used to touch it, but he did not make takbir. 
he did not make takbir. And therefore, accordingly, لا يسن التكبير عند استلامه The takbir is not a sunnah to be practiced upon touching the Yemeni corner. Now, what about if a person leaves a round from the rounds of Tawaf? So, if he, number one, the first case, if he is certain that he left a round, a shout, a round, in this case, he builds upon al-yaqeen. So, if he is certain that he left a shout, a round, then he builds upon certainty and therefore he returns and brings the shout, the round. But most often, most often this does not take place because most often after the person finishes the tawaf and leaves and makes the two rak'ah the sunnah by the station of Ibrahim السلام, he is not certain that he left something but assuming this is for the sake of assumption that if this really takes place and it's rare then it is incumbent upon the person to return and bring the seventh round because he missed one so there is still one to complete the seventh this is if there is certainty and we said that this is something generally yani, does not occur now second condition if he doubts if he doubts and doubting can occur either after finishing the tawaf or during the tawaf so it has two cases during the tawaf or after the tawaf if he doubts during the tawaf he doubted whether he made five ashwat, five rounds, five circuits or sitta or six ashwat or six rounds if the doubt is equal, either way, 
then he builds on yaqeen, on that which is certain. What is certain between the five and six? I ask you. What is certain between the five and six in this case? The five. Exactly. The lesser. The lesser is the here it is mutayaqqan, hada mutayaqqan, this is certain. So if the matter of doubt is equal between 5 and 6, but suppose he was able to preponderate, yurajjah, that it was 5, then he should consider it as what? Question. إِذَا كَانَ قَادِرًا أَنْ If he was able to preponderate that it was 5, No, no, no. If he was able to preponderate that it was five. Now the matter is not equal now with him, five and six. Yes. In tarajjaha annaha khamsa. If he builds that it is most likely it is five, he preponderates that it is five. In this case, he makes it five. And if he preponderates that it is six, then he makes it six. This is one thing. So, if he builds it if the matter is equal between 5 and 6, then he builds on yaqeen, on that which is certain, and this is 5. Some say that if he preponderates it is 5, then he makes it 5. If he preponderates it is 6, he makes it 6. And the correct opinion that our Shaykh Rahimahullah went for is that If he preponderates, then he makes it six. If he preponderates, then he gives weight to the six, and therefore he brings the seventh. This is if the matters occur during the tawaf. What about after tawaf? And after he leaves the place? In this case, the shak, the doubt, is of no effect the doubt لا يؤثر, is of no effect and should not give attention to it except with certainty and we said after the tawaf certainty is yeah, it does not occur most likely it does not occur so if doubt occurs to this person after he leaves the tawaf then he should not give it any attention Moves on. Is that clear now? We repeat. Concerning the doubt. The doubt is of two types. Within the tawaf, outside the tawaf. If it is within the tawaf and the matter is equal, then in this case, 
he builds on the lesser. Five or six, he makes it five. Six or seven, he makes it six. If he is able to preponderate between five and six, then in this case, he gives it to six and comes with the seven. After he leaves Tawaf, he should not give attention to any doubt. Unless there is certainty, and we said certainty in this case is most likely not to occur. Now, when the person reaches the place of Tawaf, should he make intention, separate intention for Tawaf, or sufficient is the intention he already made for the ritual? The correct opinion is that sufficient the intention he made for the ritual. If he is doing Umrah, then Tawaf is part of Umrah. Therefore, his intention for Tawaf is included already in the original ritual, and this is the Hajj or the Umrah. Because this is easier, this is easier from the broader perspectives of Sharia and its goals. If the niyyah of the ibadah, if the niyyah of the intention covers all parts of the ibadah, then this is easier for people. Then this is easier for people. An example, example on this. If a person enters Salat al-Dhuhr with the intention that this is the fard of time, meaning the time of Dhuhr, and he forgot to specify the Dhuhr, then the preponderating opinion, his niyyah is correct. And there is no doubt, if you ask someone, what did you intend behind this Salah? Obviously he will tell you al-Dhuhr, certainly this is Dhuhr. And sometimes the person may forget to specify. أستغفر الله العظيم وأتوب إليه، أستغفر الله العظيم وأتوب إليه، أستغفر We'll stop at this point concerning tawaf. Tawaf is the AC of information, but inshallah suffice for today, and we'll continue on matters of tawaf and the conditions of tawaf inshallah tomorrow. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.